0: The Echo Chamber, brought to you by the Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.
1: Welcome to The Echo Chamber. I'm Arthi Shah, I'm your host for today's episode that features Method Communications' co-founder and CEO, David Parkinson, and the CEO of Harvard Communications out of the UK, Louis St. Clair. So as many of you know, the Chime Group, which owns Harvard, bought Method last year. And for those of you who want a little bit more context around that, there's a link in the show notes to the story in which we broke that news last year. Well, now, um, David and Louis are working closely together on a global tech offering that spans San Francisco, Salt Lake City, New York, London, and possibly beyond. Um, So this is the conversation I had with them to learn more about the new entity and to talk more broadly about sort of the state of tech PR today. Welcome to the show, Louis and David. Thank you. So here we are at the Marriott in San Francisco in the what they call the Concierge Lounge, and um, right now we are the only people in here, I think. But um, hopefully it stays that way, or there might be there might be some some background noise. Um, but but I'm glad to have both of you here today. David came all the way from Salt Lake City, and Louis came all the way from London. And as most of you all probably know, I'm guessing most of our listeners know this news because it was actually one of our um, most read stories for last year. Um, the, the Chime Group, which um, owns Harvard out of the UK, which is a te- technology shop out of the UK, which Louie is a part of, um, bought Method at the end of 2018. And now Louie from Harvard and David from uh, Method are sort of joining forces to, to tackle kind of the global tech world. What, what did I miss? Do you
2: <laughs> no, I think that, that that is accurate. You know, when we uh, look at where we're at as an agency uh, and what our clients are looking for, uh, they're really looking for that global footprint. Uh, what can you do for us in the U.K.? What can you do us for uh, in Asia? Uh, trusting the brand that we've built with them for you know, all of these years. And so when we looked at uh, on do we build it organically or do we look at a partner who truly believes uh, in the same mission, culture, uh, drive, uh, and we found that uh, with uh, Chime and with uh, Harvard, uh, and uh, we have already uh, shared... uh, Quite a few clients, uh, and are expecting you know several more uh, over the next few months.
0: And from and from our side, we it, this you know the, the bringing Method on board was just a, a culmination of a lot of hard work. Really, we have lots of clients in the UK or who have come from Europe and the Far East who say, "Can you do what you do for us in the UK and the US?" Um, uh, and also clients who are US clients who said look have you got any recommendations for for the US and it felt like for us it was a really good time to to formalise a proper partnership um, where we could kind of share best practice as David said but also kind of uh, go at the market with a bit more gusto Um, and there's never been a better time to be in tech really.
1: So a few a few questions. What and, and usually with with listeners when we have three people on the call, I have to let them know who's who. But I think I think people can figure out that Louis <laughs> Louis is the, the one with the lovely the lovely accent. Um, you know, an interesting um, thing that, I, that 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 was noticed about about the the cell is um, you all retained branding. So now we have three different brands at play, right? I mean, there's the Chime Group, there's Harvard and there's method. So I'm curious to know what the, think, what the thinking was in terms, of, in terms of retaining all of these brands, and is it the long-term goal, or at some point will everybody be part of the time group?
0: Well, I think, I think there's been... The world is littered with uh, acquisitions that have gone wrong, where I think big groups have bought up agencies, taken the brand too quickly, um, and which really rips the soul out of uh, agencies. I mean, when you... Um, acquire a company, you're a and a PR company or any kind of marketing services company. You're acquiring a culture, a bunch of really uh, brilliant people that have put their heart and soul into a, to, to a company. If you have built a company to the size of Methods, you, there's been a lot of hard work and blood, sweat and tears, um, and then a, and then a book of clients. Um, but you have to keep that together. Otherwise, without those three things, there is no agency. So. Um, it's more about making sure that you can work together really well, that you understand each other's cultures, that the processes that you have in place where you can get some economies of scale work really, really well um, before you worry about brand. It's a bit like when you start a business, people say, gonna, We're going to start a new business. What should we call it? It's like, wrong question. The, the the, the the name comes off you've really worked out what it is you're selling and who you're selling it to and why you're doing it in the first place um, so I'm sure we'll look at brand in time but Harvard's a really strong brand in Europe Method are a really really strong brand in, 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 in North America um, and we can do a really really good job with our clients they'll all know that there's a team they know and love in, in, in the US, and there's a team they know and love in Europe. It doesn't have to have the same name. Right. And, and if we need to, and there's clients that need to do that, we've always got Chime, mm-hmm. um, which uh, we always describe it you know, you, you get a boutique with Harvard, and Method feels like a boutique, but we've also got a big brother that can do sponsor the Olympics or, or, or the big brand piece from BCCB that we can um, call upon when we need to. We'd have to make it up. Um, as we go along, those guys were there, so it, it should work pretty well.
1: I, I like your point about um, going about building a business is all wrong if you are so focused on what do we call it, yeah. and, and and less about how are we going to make it work. And to your point about um, acquisitions gone wrong, I mean, as I've talked to David about before, all you have to do is spend a few hours on our archives. <laughs> and you, there's there's it's a graveyard of, of these. So you know, so there, so we always eye you know these especially when you have two really solid brands, right, like Harvard and, you know, and, and Method, there's always some amount of cynicism around, oh gosh, like what, you know, what will this do ultimately, or what, because there, is, there are so many examples where this hasn't gone well. Um, you, both of you have touched on this already, but is there anything else that you're doing to try to avoid some of these pitfalls? To And, and in, in particular, I'm curious about the employee buy-in, because I think that's key. If the teams don't buy in and you lose great people, then then it kind of falls apart right there.
2: Yeah, and you know, as you mentioned, we've talked about this in, in great length on where you've seen what I considered really great agencies. Uh, and then uh, a holding company or private equity company will come in, buy them, and then, you know, that's really, you know, the end of that agency. Uh, and so when uh, we looked at what were next steps, uh, we were extremely careful uh, vetting Chime and vice versa on how will this affect our culture, how will it will affect our brand, uh, and every all of the checklists that we had, uh, they uh, checked that box. Uh, and so when it was time to announce the acquisition, you know everyone at Method was excited about it. Uh, They had already worked with Harvard uh, over the past year, Uh, and so uh, we had team members there to talk about the great synergies. Uh, Our agency, you know, looking at a global footprint uh, is important to them. You know, it gives them a chance to work uh, in London and vice versa. Uh, And so everyone in our agency thought it was, you know, a really smart move uh they know we are really entrepreneur uh based uh really look at calculated risks and but more importantly how do you continue to differentiate yourself uh and when method was started in 2010 we came out with a completely differentiated model uh based on uh my work coming from the corporate side for uh several years uh and so uh, keeping ahead of, you know, of, of the, the market. You know, how do we, you know, really build that key differentiator? And that's with, you know, the acquisition with Chime and, and with Harvard uh, where we can now uh, compete on a global s- scale and to be able to also uh, meet the needs of our clients Uh, A lot of them, you know, about 40% of our clients are billion-dollar brands uh, that are uh, in huge growth mode. Uh, And so with that, uh, we're able to be able to uh, service them and to be able to uh, grow with them, which I think is really important, yet not losing uh, who Method is.
0: And I think that's great. I mean, when you've got 40... Billion dollar brands over here. You know the startup scene in London is is fantastic, but um, these are not businesses as as well funded. You know, three to thirty million uh, investment is a lot over 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 um, over in the UK. But for, working with forty one billion dollar value brands that haven't yet globalized is um, is a huge opportunity, business opportunity for both those brands for Method and for, for us. I think also on the acquisition piece. Um, uh, you can always tell when you're speaking to potential businesses that, 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 that it's when they say they're looking for an exit. And I think one of the key questions to ask we've always asked is, what 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 are your plans for the next 10 years? Um, because we're not we're we want we want to we want to work with companies that have got a plan where becoming part of the Chime kind of family or stable of brands is gonna help kickstart your growth, help to. Um, help you to grow faster than you would be able to do if you weren't doing it yourself. Um, not, let's just do this for three years and there's a pile of cash at the end of it. That's not what it's all about. And I think that, that that's what takes the time to find those like-minded people. And I think we've obviously got that here.
1: So you had mentioned, you know, it's, it's a great time to be in tech, and that's true. I mean, if you look around at, you know, the companies that have even filed for IPO this year, um, it's, it's driving, it's a huge driver mm. of the U.S. economy and in the global economy but is that a challenge being a tech, being a niche agency? Because tech is become so generalized and it touches all the assets, all facets of life, of business, of the world. Um, does it? Do you find that being a, a niche agency now is can be a detriment sometimes when some of these technology companies say, "Hey, look, I'm everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. I need a big generalist shop." I, th-
0: I think it's. I think it's a. I think it's. T- t- totally the opposite. I think we were talking about this this morning. And uh, if you're a, a, a company that people don't know outside of the US, you've got a huge valuation, and you're move, moving moving to Europe. Um, you need a com- You need someone who can really get under the skin of the narrative. Whether it, whether you're operating um, across security and privacy, whether you're in AI, whether you're um, in fintech, you. You, the company you work with needs to be able to get to the bottom of what makes you different because it, there's so many, so much competition very, very quickly and then activate that into campaigns and storytelling that can help you find your route that's going to help you stand out. That's increasingly difficult. That's hard for generalists to do, I think. Um, the other thing that's great about specialist tech is everything's tech now, right? So we work with MediaCom, who are the largest media buying agents in the world. But programmatic advertising is killing their, uh, not killing their business, but is a, is, a, is 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 yeah. fundamentally changing their yes. business. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and um, so we we start to work. We're working with a lot of brands that don't necessarily make the tech, but tech's impacting in, impacting. Right. The third part is the tech narrative's changing, right? Um, we've been in the city for a couple of days and um, you, you kind of are starting to see this this this, this change um, uh, around uh, the way the public are viewing tech brands. Um, from a reputational perspective, that, that becomes, again, a, a huge opportunity um, from a corporate comms perspective because... these companies are going to need real help in the areas of public policy, regulation um, and obviously their reputational management uh, um, um, because um, the the, the general global tech narrative is uh, is quite tricky at the moment.
1: Do you you find one thing that's interesting about that is, because this has been a conversation that's come up a few times with folks is there is is a backlash against technology companies, there is kind of a sense of outrage even um, about the way that people's data has been handled, but Consumer behavior isn't changing dramatically, I mean yeah, I mean I mean I, I, I actually went through and did notice how many deactivated Facebook accounts I saw on my friend list, which was certainly higher than, than usual, but most of those folks are still on Instagram they're they oftentimes have whatsapp accounts so I don't think so I, how do you counsel clients around around reputation when behavior isn't changing? I mean the level of outrages you know that that seems to be. Increasing, but that's not resulting in people a mass exodus from these platforms.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think uh, it's a it's really it's a really interesting phenomenon, right? So if you look back at the financial crisis in two thousand and seven, um, um, the banking crisis, and and and, and they were the vil- real villains at the time. But you still you still need to go to a you still need to use a bank, but you you don't have to use a lot of these. Uh, uh these tech ser- th- these tech services um um and it so far hasn't had a huge effect on the user base it just remains to be seen where um it re- remains to be seen how that's going to change over time um i think you've got a lot of corporations moving into the space where they feel maybe government or public policy is failing um and there's a huge challenge there around uh i oh, people comfortable with that uh um, um, I think at Davos, one of the big themes was, you know, business, business filling in, uh, and being a force for good. Um, uh, and when that's good for, when that becomes good for business in areas like sustainability, that's when companies will really act. I think we're starting to, I think we're starting to see that. And in the tech space, I think um, th- that um, there's, there's there's it's about trust and how. Um, All the big tech brands continue to build trust, more openness, um, certainly more regulation is coming, um, uh, uh, more um, transparency around data, uh, more transparency around security of data, and I think we'll start to see all of if you talk about the Valley. You'll see all of those companies starting to really, really kind of work out what their story is, and, and um, in, in those areas coming forward.
1: Yeah, there's you touched on something that about um, confidence. I mean, confidence in government is at an all-time low, and the private sector is sort of stepping in, and there is higher confidence in in, in companies. Um, we've seen the tech sector in particular take the lead on some of this, and, and around purpose. Um, well, whether it's LGBT rights, whether it's climate change, whether it's homelessness in San Francisco, we've seen that. Um, so it, it, that must be interesting. To another, to, uh, another interesting reason is it's nice to be a tech agency right now, right? I mean, it, it, this intersection of purpose and brand um, and innovation—it seems like everything. There's like it's like the perfect storm within the tech
2: sector. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's you know, it's it's really cool to work with. Um, our clients on some of those initiatives so for example Qualtrics um, uh, the co-founder was diagnosed with cancer uh, early on and his son Ryan came back uh, and uh, to help him with his treatments and that's where they uh, came up with the idea of Qualtrics Uh, and uh, they always said once we uh, we're able to grow a, uh, thriving business, you know, that we would be heavily concentrated on, uh, curing cancer. And so they launched the five for the fight, uh, cancer program. Uh, that method has been able to work with. And so, uh, with that, we're able to, you know, really, uh, help these companies, um, uh, shape what that uh, giving back is and Vivent is another example of uh, really big in, in autism uh, The one of the co-founders of uh, Vivent, he had uh, two children who are autistic uh, the rates of uh, autism in Utah are higher uh, hmm. than average uh, but that is their whole campaign around uh, giving back and uh, in turn, you know, uh, really helping them build their brand. And like you said, uh, that uh, today people are not necessarily relying on the government for much of anything, uh, and instead are looking at what their employer is doing Mm -hmm. and what they stand for and what they're giving back. Uh, And that's, you know, what's driving people to stay at a company more than anything, I would say.
1: You you nailed it. I think the um, the latest Edelman Trust Barometer actually showed that people trust their employers above above all, all like it's. I mean, even more than media. It's really interesting.
0: Uh, and when you talk about like, things like psychological safety and mental well being, um, the tech, tech companies have been way ahead of that for a long time. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. um, and in terms of trusting employees, you, who, where you're going to get that help from, it's put more, most likely to be the, the person you go to
1: work for every day at the moment. Did um, so kind of bringing it back to your capabilities as a as a combined entity you know traditionally we've always seen this sort of inverse relationship between how innovative an agency's portfolio is and how innovative their capabilities are <laughs> right because because when when you have this amazing portfolio of great brands you it's just it's media relations yeah, and, and you can sustain on that you don't need to invest in some of these other things when you're when you when you're working with some of these marquee tech brands so that's always been somewhat disappointing about tech agencies sometimes is when, is when the rest of the industry has been moving forward and adding new capabilities. It, it sometimes felt a little stuck in yeah. tr- the traditional. So are you all, how do you kind of view your capabilities, especially as a combined entity?
0: Um, I, 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 think, I, think, um, I think we've made that a real virtue of our business, um, and I completely agree with you because uh, it has always been quite media relations driven. I think if you operate in a specialist sector, you need to have a depth of knowledge of that sector better than anyone else. You've got to know that inside out. And then you've also got to have a breadth of service that allows you to solve the complex problems and challenges that that might be brought to you. So if all I do is media relations and you've got a problem, I will say the answer to your problem is media relations and that does not work anymore. So um, certainly at Harvard we've we've spent the last uh, two-and-a-half years now building out um, full-service full service capabilities. So we have creative, we have planning, the kind of planning department you see in uh, advertising agency, creative uh, and, and digital and social and then gem- demand generation and then obviously the PR and the AR capabilities. Um, um, about two-thirds of our business now is uh, what you would describe as traditional PR and the, the rest is a marketing agency. Um, all kinds of challenges with that but what it does is it it means that we can provide the right solutions to clients based on what they need rather than the other way around and I know that a method yeah. you've, you've, you've kind of built something very similar
2: yeah. which yeah. is brilliant. And we've kind of talked about this too Arthi is that you know today's PR person it's just not our media you know, that they need to have social capabilities, dig- digital capabilities content capabilities and that's something we've really put an emphasis on at method uh, is uh, really building what a what a PR person responsibilities are today uh, but at the same time really building out our marketing capabilities uh, we hired a new SVP of marketing this year we've added uh, creative uh, we've added social strategy we've added business insights uh, and so we're uh, uh, definitely uh, looking at how we can, again, meet what our clients uh, are asking for. And especially in, uh, in tech PR, there's this, you know, and I wouldn't say it's a new role, but one that's, uh, you know, been uh, becoming more and more heard of as, you know, this VP of corporate marketing Uh, and brand management. And within that, they have the capabilities of the social, of the digital, the blogs, uh, some uh, uh, corporate marketing functions, uh, and they're looking for one solution. Uh, And so with that, we're able to provide that. But knowing still that earned media is extremely important, uh, and we have doubled down uh, on earned media uh, making sure that we have, you know, uh, you know getting to know all of the, the gatekeepers at key conferences and, you know, the awards and, you know, really uh, building out, making sure that we have, you know, the top journalists come in and meet with our staff and so forth. Uh, and so, you know, making sure we're not abandoning that, but really, you know, growing to uh, what the, what the markets are looking for.
1: I think that, that balance is so key because I think research does show that what ultimately drives purchase decision is earned ultimately. Yes. Even, you know, awareness and some of, some of the other marketing initiatives kind of drive some of that stuff. But when you're actually coming down to, especially for a, a huge yeah. B2B purchase, right, when it's it's really going to be about trust and that's earned, you know. In the in the earned media, but, and um, you know, we, we have this beautiful view right now of San Francisco, and because of that, you there may be some background noise of birds. I, I don't know what kind of birds those were. they were like seagulls. They were yeah. seagulls, yeah, and they were they were singing. And every time David actually started to speak, so we'll try our best to edit that out. But uh, just to just view listeners, that's what you that's what you heard. Um, well, this was a great conversation, and I think the industry. I think as I mentioned at the beginning of this. Um, podcast, Uh, this was one of our most viewed stories of 2018. Um, It trended pretty heavily. So the industry is is curious and watching. So what do you think that, Um, you know, I think there's a lot of tech agencies that are looking for an exit, to be honest. And so when they're is one, you know, when there's a, a deal that's made, I think there's a lot of curiosity around, well, what, what happened? You know, why them? Why now? Um, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of shops out here that I think are looking or kind of trying to figure out what their next step is as well. So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, so I'm sure we'll have you all Great. back on soon Thanks. at some point. Thank you very much. And that concludes another episode of the Echo Chamber. Thank you to our guests, David and Louis. Thank you to our production team at Marketeers. And we will be back soon with another episode.
0: You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.